All right, today's show is going to be different than normal. We're going to be talking about the tragic incident that happened here in Nashville, uh, talking about our story in regards to it, but then also bringing on Sissy Goff, who is a licensed professional counselor, to help us navigate how do we discuss this topic between us as adults, and also how do we discuss this topic as a family with our kids. I hope it goes without saying our hearts are with every family. Evelyn, Hallie, William, Cynthia, Catherine, and Mike. To the families of those six people, can't imagine what you're going through. Um, this is our community. And uh, this is going to be a heavier episode, but uh, one that we think is worthwhile. I think as we discuss this topic, you know, this is tragic. The pattern seems to be that there will be more of these tragic incidents to come. So hopefully this can be a resource moving forward um, as we go through this and maybe be a resource to the families uh, at the school. But uh, do you want to start by sharing our story with it? Sure. So we were at this house uh, filming that day when things started to unfold at Covenant Presbyterian. We initially got the call that it was our kids' school. And I, I want to say this, like, not lightly but or insensitive to the families who are a part of it, but... Um, because things were unfolding so quickly and people were trying to notify loved ones, we did get the call that it was Drew and Jet School. Um, I obviously panicked, called Andrew, told him, and we just desperately tried to get a hold of our school and go get our kids. Um, after about 20, 30 minutes, we were corrected that it was Covenant Presbyterian, which is not where our children go. And we're trying to discuss this topic, protecting the proximity of our house. I will just say we this is our neighborhood that this happened in. Um, and so everything was was happening and unfolding right before our eyes. But I Sorry, I don't even know how to talk about it. So um, I was filming that day here and I remember walking out to the driveway and seeing the helicopters and the police cars and hearing everything and something that's like tattooed in my brain forever is we have like a direct line to the street like main street that connects that goes to the, the school and I just saw parents Flying down the road, probably at a hundred plus miles an hour, um, laying on their horn, and it, it registered. It was like these are parents. You could tell it was civilian cars, and it was. Uh, it just shattered my heart. So, yeah, Sean was filming with Blippy here at the house. I was picking up donuts to bring to the staff, and it was at like ten twenty on Monday. I see. Must have been half a dozen cop cars, full pedal to the metal, flying down the main road here uh, with their sirens on. Just kind of thought it was a fire. Kept going. Uh, went grocery shopping. Got a call from Sean that there was a shooting at the kids' school. Headed directly to the school. Got there probably within five minutes. I think I was maybe the second or third person there. I was in the area, so that worked out well. And the situation's very still fresh at that point, still unfolding. Uh, information is still coming in. The school is trying to 
send out emails, early dismissal. They're on lockdown. There's like, we got three or four emails and it's like, all right, they're, they're also trying to figure out what to do as are we. And my main priority was I need to be with them. Mm -hmm. I need to be with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't really sure what the situation was. It's like, all right, I get the call and hear that. And I'm not like digesting this or really comprehending anything. It's just going and I will go get the kids. I don't know what the scene is. Don't know what the situation is. When I got to the school, there were parents on their knees on the floor crying, bawling. And this is when I realized like, okay, wow. I started understanding the gravity of the situation and information, you know, leaks in and realized the shooting wasn't at our kid's school. It's in, again, the neighborhood. And we got, when, when you get a call that there's an active shooter, one that's walking distance from our house, two that's in the neighborhood of our kid's school, it's like their school's on lockdown, but you're also, like, who knows? We didn't know what where the shooter was or had they been handled and taken care of or not. So there's obviously a lot of intensity around that situation. I was able to grab the kids, and that was, <clears throat> I mean, the scene of that is like, there's confusion on their end. Um, Drew's like angry because school got out, let out early. They rushed him back in from recess. And it's like, you don't know how to, you don't know how to talk to these kids about this topic. Again, sissy will help us navigate this uh, later in this, in this show. But on our way home, you know, we, I was just thinking about the route that we would need to take, which is different than normal, just given the situation and all the, police activity and emergency vehicles around and we just ended up passing by kind of some main hubs of things that were happening and so they they had found another location to move the kids and the teachers from covenant to Mm -hmm. for safe pickup and the reunification center which you'll hear sissy talk about yeah and so we passed by that and as sean alluded to like it's a panic situation. There's traffic everywhere. The main streets are all closed off and uh, people were just breaking the, the rules of the road because parents were like going on the opposite side, swerving, uh, going on the, the medians, going off the side of the road to get to this church to get their kids. You had parents running across the street. There was policemen who, you know, arms in the air, desperation, crying, um, and we also passed a motorcade of buses that were moving the kids and, and teachers to that location. Um, and it's, and then the rest of the day was helicopters and sirens and phone calls and tears. And it's then the next day there was a bomb threat on a school in our neighborhood. And so it's like, man, what's happening? It's like this fog of so many different things unfolding you're not really sure how to navigate it but um I think the hardest part for Andrew and I was one dealing with the initial shock of that desperation you feel as a parent of just wanting to keep your baby safe um and then two Nashville as a family like because this school is so close to us we know so many people who go there we know those babies we know the kids and texting 
50 people at a time, just other moms and dads and being like, do you have your kids? Are they okay? Have you heard anything? And a friend of ours, one of his uncle or a friend of ours, her uncle was one of the first responders and he was trying to update us on, is the shooter still loose? Like, is it like, are we okay to go home? What do we do? And it was just this really hard situation of how do we navigate this in the best way possible as parents. Um, Since then, after it started rolling out of like the gravity of the situation, the babies that were taken, the staff members that were taken from us, it just like, it was just the most horrible day we've gone through ever. And I feel like the hardest part for Andrew and I, or I won't speak for you, babe, sorry. The hardest part for me at the moment is it's just, it's so sad and it's so sickening. And to know that this is the reality of the world that we live in is horrible. Posting condolences and prayers and something we talk about with Sissy is to see comments and to see everything come through of people processing and digesting. We want to fix this as much as anybody in the world. And right now we're trying to grieve through it with our community and our families. But I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. Like seeing the responses, obviously people have a lot of strong emotions, I think rightfully so, regarding this topic. I think it's important to keep in perspective, though. The goal at the end of this should be to keep our kids safe. So how do we do that? And it's like, let's talk about safety measures at our school. And, you know, there's been so many emails and steps taken from our kids' school. Security measures added. Let's let's have those conversations. Let's, we're on the same team here with this, right? And we can all sympathize and agree that protecting kids is an important thing. It should be the main goal. And I also, from a practical standpoint with the kids, Let's not let evil prevail here. I think we take the steps that we need to to protect the kids, but the good that comes out of us being a community, us having kids in school, the relationships they have with their teachers, with their friends, far outweighs the bad. And I think it's worth fighting for to preserve that good. So let's all be on the same team with that do what we need to do what we can to preserve that. I, I don't think it's, Oh, Hey, we're never leaving the house again. I don't think that's a, the right response. I don't think it's distrust of everyone around. Um, I think there's so much beauty in community. Let's make it that way. And let's keep it that way. I mean, we dropped, we dropped the kids off at school on Wednesday. I felt like that was an important thing to do. And the climate there is somber to say the least. And, Parents still crying, teachers still crying. I mean, there's not a lot of conversations happening aside from this topic. I have a, I have so many thoughts. Go ahead. But no, no, I, no, I. As Sissy alludes or talks about, don't process through things with your kids. So I don't think I should process through with the world yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. I will say I think one of the hardest moments, one of my best friends is a psychologist, and I texted her the next morning. We woke up, I woke up Tuesday morning, 
helped get our babies up. And I just started bawling. And I texted her and I was like, I can't help but feel guilty that I get to wake up with our babies. And it's like, it was this weird feeling of like, I feel so blessed that our babies are okay. But I feel so guilty because I know there's mamas and daddies waking up without their babies. And it just ruined me. We wanted to bring on Sissy Golf to help provide hopefully some good resources uh, for this incident and also potential future ones. Um, I think the way she talks about this does apply to school shooting tragedies, but also grief in general. Um, So I hope you find help from this episode. If you want to find out more about Sissy, we'll link her information down below. Uh, We'll also link down below. There are ways to donate to Daystar Ministries. If you want to help cover the costs of counseling for all of the covenant families, um, we can link the GoFundMes for each individual family. Uh, Mike, Cynthia, Catherine, William, Evelyn, and Hallie. Um, There, I think, is also one other fundraising page for National Covenant Families in general. So we'll, we'll try to link everything that we can, but... Andrew and I are still having conversations every day of who else can we donate to? What else can we do? What else, what else bigger can we create to help with mental health and law changing and just everything? And I, I want to reiterate to, to the people following who are saying, you know, we, we don't take our platform lightly. We, we want to help be part of the fix we want our babies to forever feel safe and we will do everything we can. Please just give us time to figure that out, whatever that is. Yeah, I'm not sure there's there's no textbook way to navigate no. this situation. So we're probably not doing it the right way. Please have patience on us. This is our first experience with this. We're trying to we don't know what to do, but we are trying to do something. So we'll link the GoFundMe pages. Also, there's a lot of people asking to talk to lawmakers and um, no one's actually told us how to do that. So we'll include a link down below that you can enter your zip code. If you feel so inclined enter your zip code, you'll be able to see who your representatives are, see what their contact is. If you want to contact them. Um, And I I also don't want to undermine prayer. There's a lot of people that say, Hey, talk less about God and more about gun control. I get that, all right? But I think it can be a both-and situation. And just because this needs to happen doesn't mean we can't also do this. And there is deeper issues at play. It's like, you know, this world, bad stuff happens in. And prayer does have a place in this. I think for people who are removed from this, people who are across the country, people who are across the world, what else can you do? So please keep on praying. I think it does make a difference, and it's a good perspective to have. If you don't have hope, what else do you have? Our our friend shared with us an article that I thought was interesting from the perspective of a pastor who says that this is not okay. Easter is coming, but everything right now feels like Good Friday and Holy Saturday. But because this is not okay, we know this is not the end. I love you. Never thought we'd be going through this together. But we are. Here we are.
So without further ado, here is Sissy Goff, a counselor for over 30 years. She works with Daystar Ministries, uh, a licensed counselor. And uh, you may have seen her video on Instagram in response to this on how to talk to your kids about this school shooting incident. So, Sissy, thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, I know so you've been busy. Uh, how are you? Just sad. I mean, I've, I feel like I was late partly because of school traffic and partly because I was just in the shower hanging my head. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it's just hard to... I think we're all carrying it. This whole town collectively is carrying it. Yeah. I I know we're in the same neighborhood, very close to where this incident happened. And I I know you've been talking about this a lot this week. We're so thankful that you're able to join us this morning. Uh, Yeah. The, uh, the video you made on Monday was the most helpful thing that I saw. And as, as like a bystander, you're not sure what to do. Right. And so we just wanted to engage in this conversation and talk about, you know, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and mm-hmm. your video was so helpful in helping us kind of navigate through that. Uh, so just kind of wanted to spend this time and, and talk about that and unpack it. Because uh, unfortunately, it seems like the, the trend is there will be more incidents like this. So hopefully this can serve as a resource for this immediate incident, but also moving forward. Um I yeah. would not. I, I wish it would never happen again. Yeah, to have mm-hmm. the conversation, but yeah, I'd love to help. However, um, okay. So first, let's start with your background. I know you work with the Daystar Ministries. Yes, if you could tell us about that, just to yes. inform your background on this. Yes, I've been counseling kids and families for thirty years, which mm. feels crazy to do anything for thirty years. But um, yeah, and and have been very privileged to get to be where. We call it, a little boy called it the little yellow house that gives hope. I feel like it keeps getting bigger, but over in Berry Hill, so close by. Mm-hmm. And we see kids and families from about 8 to 18. We have 13 human staff members. We have five dogs on staff Wow! who are many of the kids who come. They're their favorite therapists. And I think we currently have about 2,000 families that are at wow. Daystar. And so out of that work, I have gotten to write some and mm-hmm. speak some and we have our own podcast called Raising Boys and Girls and just, you know, trying to help because yeah. I think, I mean, we are living, even apart from the tragedy that has happened this week, we're living in a really anxious world for kids and for parents. And so just trying to get as many resources out as possible. What is, is eight the youngest that you guys see? <clears throat> Typically. Okay. We're, we're going down We uh, with Covenant Families right now. We're yeah. offering free counseling for as long as they need it mm-hmm. and we're going down to seven with them but we do we do kind of a mix of we do some cognitive behavioral therapy some play therapy some talk therapy you know there are a million mm-hmm. kinds of therapy nowadays but but under seven they really need play therapy because mm-hmm. play is the language of kids and often they'll express themselves through play mm-hmm. in ways they won't do words and so mm-hmm. under that age we recommend a play therapist typically since covenant schools went younger than seven yes do you recommend that under seven outside of play therapy is dealt with from like the parents perspective or do you go seek professional help? I would always start with the parents yeah. and especially the little bitty ones. I mean, I know. y'all know from having to, I mean, mm-hmm. you are their safest people and you're, if something's overflowing that they're feeling emotionally, you're going to either hear it or with your one-year-old mm-hmm. maybe get the brunt of it because they don't have as many words mm-hmm. yet, but but yes, I think parents, we've been really encouraging parents to say, lean in, here are some ways you can talk to them about it. And if it feels like they're stuck and you're watching these things happen, 
then at that point, yes, take them to seek counseling. Talking about kids, what do you, I know it's probably different for every age range, but what do you look for as like signs of there is something there that they're trying to process and they don't know how? Yes, that's a great question. I'm with little bitty ones. I would say watching for obviously more tearfulness, Mm -hmm. clinginess, regression in any ways. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of kids will baby talk when they're struggling, anger. I mean, when I sit with parents of toddler age kids, probably the emotion I hear about the most is anger. And Mm -hmm. and what we know from a therapy standpoint is all behavior is communication. So Mm -hmm. they are saying something they need when they're acting out. And and typically, anxiety is often at the root of that anger, but they don't yet have the words to say, you know, I don't know what to feel. And so I feel worried or I feel worried something bad's going to happen to somebody I love and I feel anxious about mm-hmm. it. Will you help me? So they mm-hmm. just get angry instead. So, I mean, with young ones, those would be the things to watch for. And actually, I would say, I think all ages, just even emotions that are bigger than the situation warrants. And we're, everybody, I mean, we're having that mm-hmm. this week. And so everybody's going to for a, a period of time as we're grieving and absorbing all of this. But if it continues mm-hmm. and you see a pattern, that's when I would look for help. And, and when you say emotions that are bigger than the situation warrants, you're talking about, obviously, the situation is massive. The, the, yes. That sparked it. But you're t- like, hey, what, the lunch that is on their plate, they get super upset. By yes, like you that made the banana break and they are losing their minds mm-hmm. about the banana that was broken or something like that. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, it's hard. You know, we have a three-year-old daughter who probably has a stronger grasp on things that happen than our one-year-old does. Mm-hmm. Can you help me understand like what, how do they comprehend the situation? It's, it's hard. I don't want to write off like, Oh, they don't get it. They don't, they're too young to, yeah. to understand it. And I don't want to downplay it because even when I picked up Drew, you know, our kids went in lockdown on Monday mm-hmm. and she's seeing adults everywhere cry. She's confused why she's getting pulled out of school early in the car. She was yelling at me because she didn't get uh, to go outside and play recess mm-hmm. or they rushed her inside. And, and so it's like, you know, embarrassingly, I say she doesn't understand it. It's not worth explaining. But how... Can I understand her emotions better? Great dad to be asking that question of a little girl. You're going to be asking that question (laughs) for the next, the the rest of her life. Um, But I think, you know, I mean, really, I do think they're absorbing things. And, And you're right. I don't think they fully grasp it. I mean, I've talked to a lot of covenant families this week who have said, I don't think my kids really understand that two of their best friends Mm -hmm. died Mm -hmm. at eight years old because, of course, they don't understand the ramifications of what that means. And at three, certainly not. But at the same time, I have a four-year-old nephew right now that, I mean, apart from this, in the last three weeks, he has dreamed that I have died like 16 times, which is so weird Mm. and freaks me out a little, but I think he's trying to understand death and Mm -hmm. he doesn't. And so his little brain is just sorting it out even in his sleep. And so I think just to know that really big things are going on inside of them and they absorb so much. And you're, I mean, even when you said watching the adults rush around, 
she's picking up on that anxiety and the sadness and grief of all the people around her and absorbing it even when she doesn't fully understand it. So there's a lot happening inside of them and we want to pay attention. Watching your video that you posted on Instagram, you said don't process things with your kid. Try to like be the source and be confident in your delivery. The thing that like I... Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop-down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. Before we inter- or before we decided to do this, I was like, I'm going to make it through this without crying. <laughs> but um, the thing that gets me is like every single person involved has so much trauma. So like the first responders and the teachers, how do you confidently deal with this with the babies, with your kids, before you've had the chance to process? So if they're asking questions and you still haven't been able to like, all of these adults will be processing this for years. Yes. How do you deliver information to kids before you figured it out? Well, I, I think we're all figuring it out. I yeah. don't think there's any kind of answer. And and I think, I mean, to sit with a child and be teary over it, mm-hmm. to say, I don't understand either. Mm-hmm. I think any of those things are fine and mm-hmm. even good. I mean, I think they feel that connection and your your the the empathy and the compassion. I mean, all of that, you're kind of stepping into that together. Mm-hmm. And I think probably, honestly, this is so practical, but I think one of the best things we can do, like when you said that, it made me teary mm-hmm. thinking about it. And I immediately, because I talk about this all the time with mm-hmm. kids and families, but I immediately t- slowed down my breathing mm-hmm. instinctively, just trying to like calm myself down and mm-hmm. be present in what you're saying and hearing mm-hmm. you because I feel those things mm-hmm. so big. And And so I think even as we're sitting with kids, I mean, I was at the reunification center Mm -hmm. for four hours, I think on Monday, and it was so awful. Mm -hmm. And watching the parents, I mean, everyone there knew their kids were safe, but they were calling their names four at a time and sending them to go connect with their kids. And at one point they called me up and I was talking to them about like, here's what I want, you know, here's Mm -hmm. some things to say. And I said, before you grab your child, I want you to take three really slow, deep breaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think we can enter into anything with a lot of prayer, I should say that, mm-hmm. God's help, but also just taking three slow, deep breaths as mm-hmm. we're talking about it. And then you sit with them, and, and kids, my 
friend and colleague, David Thomas, said mm-hmm. this when we were speaking to the Covenant parents, whatever, I don't even know what day it is, but the other night, and he said, which I love this, he said, kids way of talking about things is a lot like we think about swimming. Like their lungs aren't fully developed. So Mm -hmm. when they're swimming, they need to come up for air more. And talking is the same way. They can Mm -hmm. only sit in the intensity for a a short burst of time. Mm -hmm. And so really to be able to take some deep breaths, sit with them, and then go cry in your room or stay Mm -hmm. in your shower and hang your head or whatever you need to do. But I think that can help us sit with them in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out that you mentioned. Kids move in and out of grief yes. quickly and often. Yes. What do you mean by that? And mm-hmm. What does that look like? I was um, with a child yesterday from Covenant, and um, and she, we um, sat on my floor as we were talking, and I have my dog in my mm-hmm. office, and we were petting my dog. And, you know, she literally bounced into my office. And then she talked about being in the building and what it was like and just horrific. And one of those times that I'm inside myself since to see breathe, breathe, mm-hmm. breathe and be with her. And then at the end, she popped up and gave me the biggest hug and smiled her whole way down the mm-hmm. stairs. You know, I, I just think that we can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be rocked even by that car. I went home and, you know, mm-hmm. ate cheese was all I ate for dinner because <laughs> that's what I want. You know, it's. But they move in and out in that way. They're much more transient emotionally, mm. which is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a picture. Of I feel like that's got to be one of the hardest parts as like as an adult or a parent of kids processing this is we don't go in and out of it. Right. And it's almost harder to see. It's amazing to see their joy yes. to come in and out. Yes. But it's so emotionally just unstable for adults because it's hard to go up and down that much. It's almost like we try to push it away or bring it to the surface and get it out. How do you, I don't know. I don't know even if there's a question, but how do you like process keep as an adult calm and going in and out of that trauma with them? Just taking deep breaths. Yes. (laughs) I think exactly what you need. You know, it was interesting. We, um, when our Several of our staff members were at the center on Monday, and afterwards, we kind of descended into the main office of Daystar, and we were talking about kind of what different ones had experienced. And one staff member came in with her lunch and said, I just need to sit with y'all, and she was so teary. Mm -hmm. And I said, I just need to go to my office and be Uh by myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm way older Mm -hmm. than y'all I'm 52 (laughs) and at 52 that I know I need to go be by myself and I knew last night I needed to be in my house and eat cheese and have a glass (laughs) of wine and I watched Allie McBeal which is Mm -hmm. so stupid but it's like you have to figure out what you need to take care of yourself um, in those moments and so sitting with your kids and then they're going to want to go out to play and when they go play take a walk or Mm -hmm. Read or do whatever you need to do to fill yourself back up. I think we've got to make sure it's like that oxygen mask thing. Mm -hmm. We've got to do what we need to do to take care of ourselves to be able to take care of them. We keep asking questions about all the babies and stuff, but going back to what I was saying of watching it all play out and all of the first responders and news reporters and parents, because adults are more complex, And we sit in these emotions heavier and deeper with anxiety and worry. How do adults best 
breach this topic of like processing it with each other with themselves honestly mm. at first mm. like Both. You're, yeah that's such an interesting yeah. thing that y'all just said <laughs> yeah. because i think some people will want to process it with others first yeah. and some people will need to process it with themselves and and i think exactly that like figuring out what you need to do to process it and there are going to be times you're going to know that you need to talk to somebody else and I, one of the experiences that's been interesting for me is um it has been good to talk to people that are in it with me and I'm from Little Rock Arkansas and I have had so many it makes me cry but I've had so many friends from home mm-hmm. that have reached out just checking on me which is so silly because obviously I was not there, but I'm grateful. And, and I think shared trauma is so helpful to process together. And then sometimes people that have had not as much experience with it is really helpful too. And so I think just figuring out what you need, mm-hmm. really, that's so simple. But. It has been really, uh, you know, Sean and I posted on social media and then like, the, it's obvious people have strong emotions about this and it's, mm-hmm. yeah. It, angry it's like it automatically it's polarized yeah. which is i think sad and, and missing the point it's like hey but one, one of the things we were talking about was i think that kind of outlash is some people's way of grieving you know what i'm saying it's like that's a great point and so, i don't know yeah, maybe that's just me. anger and right. want justice which is good right. yes right yes um but it's hard it is hard i just don't even read it yeah i am i wish i had that ability <laughs> can can you Maybe break down by like age categories, um, kids developmentally and, and how they might be perceiving the situation. And then maybe some like vocabulary or phrases that you might address for each of those buckets. Is that possible? Yes. Let, let me address the how they might be grieving and then let's come yeah. back okay. to the other because I want to know more what you mean. But I think... Um, I mean, little ones especially are going to be the ones who are, I think that the teeny ones will probably, you're going to see more out of them, like more frustration at really simple things. And part of that is not even what it's about. It's absorbing what's happening with us and knowing, I mean, I think, don't y'all just feel intense right now? Like Mm -hmm. I just feel intense. Mm -hmm. And I think even that sometimes from us, they interpret as anxiety and it Mm -hmm. kind of washes over them. So I think we're going to see more just kind of this is such a weird, more like extra behavior mm-hmm. in all ways with little bitty ones. I think a little bit older, they're going to have different questions and they're going to want to be around us more. They're going to want us to be security for them when we love kids. And, and so I think being really present to answer their questions. And then I would say the teenagers, especially, I met with a teenage girl yesterday who, you know, I feel like I maybe said three words and Mm -hmm. she just, it was really cool to hear her talk. And she just was needing to think out loud Mm -hmm. with somebody that was neutral in her life. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and she's watching even her parents' response, I think more than they know Mm -hmm. and taking a lot of notes and said, I wish I could pray like my mom and Mm -hmm. I want to learn more scripture because that's comforting I mean you know they're all absorbing but I think the little ones are asking questions of us the older ones are asking questions that they probably want to get to the answers themselves which is Mm. indicative of life and where adolescents are anyway but I think 
helping facilitate that for them is mm. helpful. I think furthering on what Andrew was saying with the vocabulary, I think something that you just try to do as a parent mm-hmm. is, for lack of a better word, downplay the situation. Yes. And I think my biggest question for like friends of ours and with babies and teenagers is, do you do you like cut to the chase and like tell them how horrific the situation is? Do you say there has been a shooting and, or do you like, what vocabulary do you use? Very factual. Yeah. I I think we've got to be, I mean, obviously we're going to use words like horrific, Mm -hmm. um, but those are more, I think those words are more how we process. And Mm -hmm. I think we've got to be careful that we're not, again, processing Mm -hmm. with them and I think in our panic, sometimes we give them more words than they need. Mm-hmm. And so it depends on the age. I mean, I think the question I would put back to parents is, is there any way your younger child is going to hear about it from somebody else? Mm-hmm. Because if there is, I think y'all mentioned this before, that is not what you want to happen. Mm-hmm. You want to be the source. And so if you feel like they might hear about it, even at preschool on the playground or at kindergarten on the playground, then I want you to... Talk about it first. Be very factual. You know, there was a tragedy that happened at a school in our neighborhood and several people were killed. I mean, again, mm-hmm. if you feel like they're, but if they're not going to hear it, then don't say it mm-hmm. that little. But I think especially grade school kids, we mm-hmm. need to tell them very factually, very short, you know, concrete language because they're concrete thinkers. This is what happened. Immediately tell me what questions you have. Because we want them to lead the conversation because, like I talked about in that video, kids have this innate ability in tragedy, even if their parents are getting divorced. It's this mm-hmm. amazing phenomenon inside of them that I have kids who will ask immediately, why is this happening? And then I have kids who don't ask for four years mm-hmm. because internally they can't handle the information yet. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we want to really follow their lead on what they're asking. And also follow their lead with uh, the vocabulary they're using. Yes. So like, hey. I love yeah. that point. Is that, well, that was a question. I'm not. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I, mostly. One okay. thing that I think has been interesting in being with families from Covenant, um, one of the things that a parent talked about, we, um, well, what night? What, what day is it? Thursday? Thursday. Wednesday <laughs> night, we were called in David Thomas now to speak to the parents before they had this service at a church. And um, one of the parents talked about that their child, which I've heard this a couple of times that, um, that it felt a little bit like, you know, all these police showed up and Mm -hmm. armored cars. And when you're a seven year old child, there's a part of that, that you're like living in, you know, some cartoon that you watch all the time and so I think um, I think there's been some good guy, bad guy language that almost makes it feel a little bit more like that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, versus um, I have heard other parents talk about it from a more of a mental health standpoint. Like mm-hmm. there was someone who was, they had an illness that affected their brain instead of their body as much. And and so sometimes when that's happening, people make really 
really hurtful decisions, you know, and I like that because it takes out the, I mean, you know, I think those kids to some degree felt some excitement Mm -hmm. standing at the fire station and seeing the armored cars, which in some ways is great because they weren't processing the trauma of it at that point. But I like moving them out of kind of the more exciting language Mm -hmm. to the gravity of the situation because I think it helps them process it. So, Mm -hmm. yes, following their lead with some awareness of tweaking sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A thought that I have, and I feel like through this conversation, we're processing it still too a lot. Sure. Um, But something that I've thought about with those kids is like, and the parents, is how do you stay factual? Mm -hmm. And as a parent, you want to protect your kids at all costs. Yeah. And having those conversations without instilling fear with the kids who have walked away with it, like walked away from this, unscathed to a certain like they thought it was exciting to a certain extent because they weren't there and they didn't hear it or they didn't see it how do you have these conversations without instilling this fear in them of walking into school every day and being like is this going to happen to me and then the long-term question of that is what is the long-term effect of the gravity of this situation on all of these kids like minds and mental health. Mm. I, you know, we y'all. I think y'all were y'all when y'all were growing up. Did you hear about school shootings? Mm, no, it was always tornado drills and yeah. coming from the Midwest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I have heard several comments this week of kids saying this is a part of life, which is tragic. It makes me sick that that's the world that they're growing up in. Um, but I think that question is, in some ways, we would think that because it was not a part of any of mm-hmm. our lives. It just is unspeakable and unimaginable that they would even feel that way. And obviously, the first time they hear it is mm-hmm. different than the <clears throat> however many of time some of these teenagers are hearing it. And they do feel like this just happens. And it should never happen. Um but I think, um, I do think kids, I mean, there's, you know, now we are at one in four children are dealing with anxiety in America today. Girls are twice as likely as boys to deal with it, one in three adolescents and one in three adults. And so anxiety is pervading, pervading, is that even a word? Pervasive in our culture. And, um, and there are so many, I mean, we could have a whole nother conversation mm-hmm. on anxiety alone. But I do think part of what happens with anxiety is kids take the worst thing they can imagine developmentally. And so we could even do a timeline of where I see kids looping thoughts, mm-hmm. which is what happens when we're anxious, where their looping thoughts go. And and there are going to be a lot of kids now who are looping around a school shooting, mm-hmm. of course. And so I think, you know, we are – gray thinkers we're not black and white anymore as adults hopefully we can struggle that way some but I think kids are still black and white and so talking to them about things like okay what do you know in your school are the safety measures the school has taken Mm -hmm. now we know covenant did a beautiful job of Mm -hmm. taking safety measures and it didn't stop this from happening but kids don't need to know all those details it's not helpful for them Mm -hmm. they need some kind of feeling like there's some control at school Mm -hmm. 
And so to talk to them about what are the safety measures you know your school has in place, what can you do if you feel scared at school? And let's talk about some practical things you can do if you start to feel anxious when you're walking in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think all of those things can make a difference. And helping kids when they get anxious move toward some kind of purpose can be really helpful for them, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like I lost your question, Sean. No, you answered it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the, the, go ahead. the long term. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're just... You know, it's it's the first generation of kids that have grown up like this. And I, I do think, I mean, the, the teenager I met with yesterday said, I will be forever changed. Mm-hmm. And I think they every kid, every kid in Nashville will, because mm-hmm. they feel the reverberations of this. Every kid in every city where this has happened in their town. But I think every kid growing up today will be impacted by the fact that this was a part of their life. And mm-hmm. so... You know, I don't think we know because the way that trauma impacts kids is in the short term, obviously there's a lot that goes mm-hmm. on for them, but, but grief for any of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I lost my mom two and a half years ago and, you know, there are the most random things that all of a sudden I'm crying mm-hmm. some random place still, you know, it's like where your life circumstances are, it brings grief up fresh in different ways. And the same's going to be true for these kids. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that looks like, but we sure know we want to take care of them. And on that note, <clears throat> I, transitioning to uh, kind of the faith backdrop, yes, mm-hmm. I do think as as I've been thinking through this, mm-hmm. it's like we've gotten so many messages about like, oh, this is why I'm going to send my kid, or I'm going to homeschool my kid, and not mm-hmm. send him to school. Which, if you want to homeschool your kid, go for it. But also, I don't think the right response is to cower in the face of evil. You know what I'm saying? It's like when I think of the benefits our kids have from this community, from these friends, from the teachers they're learning from, mm. there's the, the beauty outweighs the, the evil, right? And I think we need to work to preserve that because yes. it does take work and it is worth it. Um, <clears throat> but I also think as tragic as it is, a situation like this does provide an opportunity um, to connect with your kid in such a powerful way. And I lost my dad three months ago. Oh, to the I'm day so of the, sorry. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, we're in it together. Yeah. But um, we've spoken to our three-year-old about, like, hey, Papa's in, in your heart now, and, like, yeah. he's with Jesus. And she'll talk about now Papa, like, mm-hmm. in this really beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And... I wouldn't change that. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is so special. And I know these friends at covenant are going to be talking about their friends in like this special way. And so yes. thank you for unlocking this, uh, I think infrastructure and path for people to mm-hmm. talk about things in that important way. Yeah. So how does faith play a part in this? As you talk about, uh, you know, counseling these kids, mm-hmm. As you navigate the situation, maybe it's more of a personal question, but like, what difference does it make? Yeah. Well, can I tell you something practical first? Sure. I want, if y'all don't already have the book, The Invisible String, Mm. I would love for y'all to get it. It's not a theological book in any way, but it's really sweet for young kids to grieve. And I think it would mean Mm -hmm. a ton. And I love that y'all are talking about him because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know for my nephew, we have some dear friends who... They lost, um, the mom lost her dad, and they have talked about him so much Mm -hmm. 
that their youngest son who never knew him thinks he did because he's just such a part of their world. And my nephews, I think, are growing up that way. I mean, my nephew talks about my mom all the time, and he doesn't, he, he won't remember her, but mm-hmm. he thinks he does. And so I love that y'all are doing that. What mm-hmm. a yeah. gift. And, you know, from a faith standpoint, I, um, it's so hard because I feel like I think, um, I think we have so much, hope as believers and and I I was at a funeral for a I think she was seven years old probably 20 years ago and Carter Crenshaw who was the pastor of West End forever and is a dear friend he said um, as believers we grieve and he said and our grief is always framed by hope and so it looks different and and I have never forgotten him saying that and I think at the same time, I feel like a lot of believers throw out a lot of platitudes that when someone is grieving, they feel crappy to hear mm-hmm. with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we just don't know what to say and we're trying to say something. And so, mm-hmm. um, what do you mean by platitudes? Like, um, like when you are in the first, you know, few days of losing somebody you love and it feels awful and you can barely scrape yourself off the floor and someone said, says God works all things together for the good. Mm-hmm. That is true. And you will, for the rest of your life, you will see God's redemption in losing your dad. But you don't feel it in the first mm-hmm. however long, you know. Um, and so I think, I think those truths have so much more power when we can sit with somebody first and let them mm-hmm. be sad. And sometimes we say things out of our own, like, I don't know what to do with your sadness and I want you to feel better. And so I'm just going to throw something out that mm-hmm. maybe you'll help. Mm-hmm. So that would be mm-hmm. what I would mean. But but I think um, in the midst of not having those answers, I, um, I was standing. I have, for whatever reason, done a lot of interviews and um, this past week. And one of those was CNN. And I was out Tuesday morning. I, I thought it was going to be in a building in Burton Hills and I just didn't pay attention and Monday was so crazy and it turns out it was out on the mm-hmm. road outside from Covenant across from Covenant and I, I just had no idea and I didn't take a coat which was really dumb because I didn't know and so it was really cold Tuesday mm-hmm. morning and I was standing on the street shivering because I was cold and I was a nervous wreck about being on mm-hmm. CNN live and um I just hadn't, and you all probably have driven by it a million times because of where you are, but I hadn't been outside the building since it happened. And I was standing there waiting and praying and breathing and looked across and at the sign, the covenant sign, and at the huge poster up about Easter. And I thought, there's nothing else to say. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Like, this is the darkest day in Nashville history that I Mm -hmm. remember and Easter Mm -hmm. like it just feels like there's nothing else but the cross and Mm -hmm. and I I don't those aren't even really words other than in that moment when I thought I could sob my head off and embarrass myself on national tv like there's our hope Mm -hmm. all right as a kid I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity and right here in our hands we have the kiwi co box which is the activity of all activities for young kids the colorful chemistry set to be specific so with drew and jet 
and bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old and I love in these crates they actually have cards that say here are activities or things you can do specific to bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is I love KiwiCo there's always something new for kids to discover like learning about the science of ice cream engineering robots or doing science experiments which our kids have loved recently Sean is currently holding as she said the colorful chemistry kit which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids they look forward to their new crate every month and this one kept him really engaged we got to experiment with mixing oil and water mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE. Are you frustrated with buying your kids' clothes and having them grow out of them literally within a week? I know I am. Then you need to check out Posh Peanut. I love this brand. Their clothes are amazing quality and made from viscose from bamboo. So they stretch with your kid as they grow and are four times stretchier than cotton. They have different designs you can pick from like Barbie, Flowers, Disney, and Hot Wheels. So we let our kids pick out which ones they wanted. And of course, Drew picked the pattern with Disney princesses. Oh, yes. She loves her Disney princess pajamas. Plus, I swear their clothes get even softer the more you wash them, which usually doesn't happen with kids clothes i also love that their clothes are chemical free which means they're delicate enough for babies with sensitive skin which is something we've been paying attention to for bear posh peanut is made for infants and kids but they also have sizes for moms and dads if you want the whole family to match let's be honest every family has done a matching moment and if you're not a parent consider this a perfect gift idea for real you guys we love this brand and they're loved by over a million parents check them out Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code EASTFAM. Go to poshpeanut.com slash EASTFAM and use promo code EASTFAM for 20% off your first order. Wow. Um, For those listening, Sissy has a podcast of her own called Raising Boys and Girls. Raising boys and girls, and I'm just going to ask y'all right now, since mm-hmm. we're you, you're more on the spot because we're on your podcast, will y'all be on our podcast? We would love to. <laughs> okay, uh, good. But we would love it. Honestly, my I'm a big fan of it. Oh, thank it's, you. So, so if you're listening, you have kids, definitely mm-hmm. uh, refer to that as a resource. Also, Sissy's Instagram or that video was posted on your account. No. I think I put it on both. Okay. Sissy mm-hmm. Goffin, Raising Boys and okay. Girls. We try and put a lot on both places. Um, but to, to summarize. As we close, uh, the points that you talked about in the video and here, as you're a parent approaching the situation, first thing is stay calm, yeah. take breaths. Yeah. Two is be the source and be factual and age appropriate. Three, let the kids lead the conversation. 
before, uh, give the kids space to feel and yourself to feel for that matter. Mm-hmm. Five, um, answer questions honestly and age appropriately. Six, talk about what you can, what you can control. So these safety measures, as you were referring to earlier, seven, ask would ask what would make them feel safe at school. Eight, talk about people that are helping and how we can pray for them. I love that one. Um, next is acknowledge we don't have all the answers, but remind them of the truth you do know. And uh, that's just great stuff, sissy. So thank you for stepping up to the plate and being a resource for so many people who don't know what to do. Thank you. Um, hopefully this is the first step for other people. And, um, yeah, we're just glad to, to know you. And Me too, yeah. Yeah. And where can people find you locally for services and counseling and um, uh, Daystar Counseling Ministries? Okay. Yes, and yeah, and we're offering free counseling to Covenant for how many counselors do you guys have? I I, I don't know. I, I should know <laughs> eleven, twelve, okay. somewhere around there. Hmm. I know the five yeah. dogs, but eleven or twelve people. Awesome. I'd have to get on my website and count or count on my fingers. Have you guys seen uh, influx since? Yes. Yeah, we have. We've had a lot of calls. We've had a lot of calls from new families and we've had a lot of calls from our current families because, um, you know, I think one of the things being close to this, I mean, I knew Catherine Koontz pretty well and just was bananas about her. And, um, but hearing kids talk about the kids mm. that died, there just were so many families impacted by these families and mm. Cindy Peak and Mr. Hill. I mean, he was beloved. I've heard so many stories about every single one of them. So I think, I think the rings of impact of all of these mm-hmm. lives. You know, I keep thinking Nashville is a small town in a big city, mm-hmm. and and people love each other, which I'm so grateful for. And mm-hmm. so, yes, there's been an influx, and Good. our counselors. I, I'm so grateful for my team because everybody keeps saying, "I'll come in extra, whatever I can do," which mm-hmm. every counselor in the mm-hmm. city is doing right now. So mm-hmm. Just extra. Did we miss anything? You have anything? I don't think so. Y'all were awesome. Thanks, Sissy. Yeah. Thank you. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there. We don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcast on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners And some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.